once again, the Rangers spanked the Royals in a 4 nothing win. But every thought, every thought in Rangers fans' mind is on Jacob DeGrom, who left this one with right wrist tightness. On today's show, we're getting into all that and more. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Rangers, your daily Texas Rangers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are locked on to the Texas Rangers. I'm Bryce Patrick, a cripplingly addicted Texas Rangers fan since 2010, the founder and host for all five seasons of this Locked On Rangers podcast. Thank y'all so much for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. If you're not already, you can follow me on Twitter at Bryce Patrick. You can follow the show at Locked On Rangers. Subscribe on YouTube, where the best way you can help grow the show is to comment nearly any single thing below. Before we get into today's show, this episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Go to HelloFresh.com slash MLB60 and use code MLB60 for 60% off plus free shipping. Now, let's get into the good news of Monday. The Rangers won 4 to nothing over the Royals. They did it by absolutely shutting the door down on this offense. Just one hit, not a whole lot of base runners, and the Rangers have their 10th win of the season. 10% of the season is done and the Rangers are 10 and 6 alone atop the American League West and they did it by a healthy heaping not quite as much of a portion of Jacob DeGrom as I would have liked to have in this one but four hitless innings from Jacob DeGrom just one walk for him um, and an error allowed that was for the only two base runners that Jacob DeGrom allowed through four innings the Rangers had a three nothing lead in the first courtesy of a three run absolute moonshot from Josh Young who continues to really really impress early on this season Um, but Jacob DeGrom left this one after the fourth inning there was a lot of confusion as to why he was leaving this one Rangers PR tweeted out that it was right wrist soreness as a precaution is why they took him out he was still absolutely shoving four innings for him in this one with just that those two base runners, five strikeouts, looked absolutely dominant. 58 pitches, 39 of which were for strikes, and he was absolutely shoving against, granted, not the best Royals lineup, not the best lineup in all of baseball, but still a major league lineup, and he looked absolutely phenomenal. It was really terrifying, those five, ten minutes or so that we had where we didn't have an update as to what he was doing, but we know, right wrist soreness. And in terms of how bad things could be, we are bringing back the the Defgrom rank. We are at Defgrom four, which is a a medium level of of Degrom Jacob Degrom preparedness. I made this in the spring, hoping that we wouldn't have to get too much use out of it during during the regular season. But uh, you know, here we are. Uh, officially, Defgrom four. Uh, I tweeted this out: increased intelligence watch and strengthened security measures around Jacob Degrom. That's where we are. We are not. This is on a five to one scale. Def Ground 1 is, uh, I don't know, the world is ending, hug your loved ones, um, kiss the earth goodbye. Um, Def Ground 5 is, everything's fine. Def Ground 4 is, meh, kind of perturbed, kind of 
kind of watchful, kind of uneasy about the whole thing. The Rangers had another starter who was lifted early on Saturday. They got some good news about John Gray. He was hit in the arm with a 109 mile an hour liner off the bat in his pitching arm. Turns out he was fine. Um, he, he ended up being fine. He was pretty much pain-free by Sunday night. So that was nice. Hopefully the Rangers can get some similar news on Jacob deGrom. You could tell he was frustrated when he was leaving that game, leaving the mound after the fourth inning. The Rangers broadcast showed that, and that was about all we had to go on for those five, ten minutes, and we didn't really know exactly what was happening. But in terms of what the injuries could be, if, if it was a forearm, if it was a shoulder, um, with a knee, or Lord forbid that stupid oblique coming back, that left side tightness that kind of derailed things early on in the spring, that would be a concern. But I'm looking at his injury history since 2016, and here are the the ailments that he's missed. Uh, they have dealt with his shoulder, his arm, his back, his elbow, his elbow, his elbow. Nothing with his wrist. So this is at least a new injury, hopefully not anything that is too serious. Um, but I am recording this literally about right after um, right after this game is done. Still waiting on uh, more updates from the Rangers as we get those. This will be premiering live, uh, I think, on Tuesday morning, so maybe we'll have some some new updates, but I don't anticipate there being a whole lot more news by the time morning comes, because that's just kind of the way things work, but all in all, it was a little worrying, it was a lot worrying, honestly, just to see Jay DeGrom leave this game at all, but I mean, looking at his, his body of work, he is still, through four starts with the Rangers, still doing exactly what Texas signed him to be. He's got a an ERA finally under four after that really weird fluky first game where he had a lot of soft contact and was was kind of hit around. He's thrown he's averaging over five innings per start. Got 32 strikeouts, three walks, eight earned runs, 15 hits, and 20 and two thirds innings of work. A whip of point. 87 is just absolutely astounding a nearly 10 nearly 11 to 1 strikeout to walk ratio that's one of the things that i really loved about cliff lee in his time here with the texas rangers is that season and when cliff lee was at his peak he was striking out a crap ton of guys and not allowing a lot of walks that would allow him to go deep into games well when jb Degrom is healthy uh and he is allowed to pitch a whole hundred pitches which he hasn't done yet we'll see maybe we'll get that in five days or whatever it is um six days five five games whenever the next time we get to see Jacob DeGrom on the hill in a Texas Rangers uniform we get to see him against the Oakland A's that is going to be a whole 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 lot of fun um and if it's not against the Oakland A's then it'll be against the Cincinnati Reds if he gets three starts in a row against the Royals against the A's and against the Reds actually I guess there'll be four starts in a row because his last start was against the Royals remember the Rangers didn't even throw him in that series where they won in Houston for the first time since 2018 Remember that? They also didn't throw their number two starter in that series where they won. Also, the the Astros just absolutely uncorked an absolute butt whooping in this Monday night game. So it's, it's maybe the Rangers pissed off the, the, the Astros and their lineup's going to figure it out and try and catch them. But for right now, the Rangers are alone atop the AL West. This was a scary moment for Jacob Grom, but thankfully... In terms of the amount of, of updates that we could have, the Rangers are always going to, it seems, play it cautious with Jacob DeGrom. He is their ace. He is the best pitcher by far in baseball when he's healthy. We see how absolutely beautiful, gorgeous, disgusting, 
disgusting it is when he is on his game, um, even against a lineup like the Royals. It doesn't matter who he's facing. When he is at his peak, he is absolutely incredible. Um, but we are at DEFCRAM 4. Hopefully we can remain there, maybe go back to DEFCRAM 5, the lowest level of DEFCRAM preparedness. Coming up, we're going to get, get into what the bullpen did, what Dane Dunning has done this season in some really unheralded but great spots, especially in today's game. Before we do, this episode is brought to you by SoRare. Our new sponsor, SoRare, is a revolutionary fantasy baseball game and marketplace transforming fans into owners with officially licensed digital cards featuring players from across all 30 MLB teams. Unlike other fantasy baseball platforms, SoRare managers truly own their fantasy experience, collecting, buying, selling, and competing with player cards against global opponents to win epic rewards. Win or lose, you still own your cards and there is no cost to play. Plus, the more you win, the more you advance collecting increasingly powerful cards and accessing next-level competitions and rewards. SoRare recently partnered with MLB All-Stars Juan Soto and Julio Rodriguez to serve as brand ambassadors. Both are featured in SoRare's current brand campaign and will engage with the SoRare community throughout the season at MLB events. So head to SoRare.com slash LockedOn, that's spelled S-O-R-A-R-E dot com, to draft your team of free player cards, set your lineup, and start competing today to win epic rewards. Again, that's SoRare.com slash LockedOn to start playing today. Now, this Rangers bullpen really, really picked things up. They did have a no-hitter going, no perfect game after Grom was out, but Dane Dunning comes in, and of course, he allows a hit um, just right after a one-out hit when he is starting in the fifth inning. Rangers had a 4-0 lead, courtesy of that insurance run from Marcus Simeon, had a absolutely massive shot, and uh, off of Jordan Lyles, which, again, stop me if, if you have... If you have seen a couple of massive taters given up by Jordan Lyles, but um, I do want to shout out him in just a second because uh, Dane Dunning was absolutely on one in this one. Four and a third innings of work, just one walk, one hit, five strikeouts, which equaled DeGrom's in a third of an inning more. And he still has a perfect zero ERA. Dane Dunning has been so incredibly good for the Rangers in just six games so far this season. He has come in in big moments, and he has allowed pretty much nothing. He's only allowed multiple hits in one outing this year. That was in three innings against Philadelphia on April 1st. At that point, the Rangers were completely in control. He has come in in games where the Rangers just needed some mop-up duty. He has had outings of three innings, four innings, two innings, and this one was his high out of the bullpen four and a third innings of work. I thought maybe he might get the ball all the way down the stretch, um, but he did not get to finish this one off. Was credited with the win, did not get the rarely seen. It might have just been a win as opposed to a five-out save, which is the old-school way to get it if you pitch the last three-plus innings of the game and you're the only reliever to do so. Then you get the save, even if it's if it's in a win, even if you're winning, your team's winning by 10 runs. Um, but it is a valuable thing to have a guy like Dane Dunning to be able to come out of the pen. Hopefully, he doesn't have to move into the rotation. That would mean Jacob DeGrom is going on the IL or skipping a start. Hopefully, that is not what is happening. I don't think it will. But having him in this role with Jake Odorizzi out for the season, I really have to shout out Dane Dunning for what he has done. He has been so valuable for this team. 15 and a third innings of work, just three walks, nine strikeouts, a whip of .72, and just eight hits allowed. Zero earned runs for Dane Dunning. Zero earned runs for a guy who was thought to be 
not making the major league opening day roster. It seemed like Jake Odorizzi was going to have that long man role and the Rangers were going to send Dane Dunning down to AAA to go get some seasoning and go be their ace of the the AAA staff. But that wasn't the case. He ended up making the opening day staff. He has come in in some big moments. He has come in in mop-up duty. He is um, mainly mop-up duty, but still allowing the bullpen to have those days off to not have to throw a whole bunch of relievers out there especially in a game like this, in a game where the Rangers were winning, and it would be very easy for them to just let up the gas after a really, really emotional series in Houston, going on the road to face the Royals, a team that sucked and is coming off getting their absolutely teeth kicked in um, by Atlanta this weekend after the Rangers took two out of three against them last week at home. It'd be very easy and understandable for this team to kind of let things down, but Bruce Bochy is like, no, no, no. You guys got to gotta keep it on them. The Rangers got on them early, got that three-run shot by Josh Young, his third of the season. First one to the pull side and absolutely hit the crap out of it. The hardest-hit baseball in his major league career, 109 miles an hour off the bat. I believe it was 441 feet, um, excuse me, 108.9 miles an hour off the bat. Marcus Simeons was no slouch either, 412 feet for his home run. Um, so really great stuff for them there. Glad that the Rangers get the win in this one. Stay on top of this division. Um, and nice to see Rangers getting some important outings from Jose Leclerc coming in. And I believe maybe not quite getting the save, but still coming in in a clutch spot, getting that win against a team who was worse than them. But still, you need to get those wins. You need to take advantage of these bad teams when you play them. The Rangers, and they're in the middle of a stretch of nine games, well, I guess eight games left, where they're playing three series against two, three teams that are all very, very bad. The Royals are a bad baseball team. The A's are probably the worst team in all of baseball, and then the Reds are maybe scrappy, have some interesting young guys, but are still bad, and you need to take advantage of those games when you have them. The Astros had not done that so far this season. Nobody else in the AL West has really done that so far this season. That's why the Rangers are 10 and 6 and on top of the division and alone atop of the division. At this point, the only team with a winning record, maybe Seattle. I can't remember if Seattle plays tonight. Um, and if they will be, um, no, they did. They did play tonight. I think they got to, no. That is from Sunday. Never mind. Doesn't matter. <laughs> if, if Seattle plays and wins, then they will have a winning record. But right now, the Rangers are atop that division, and they're looking for some cushion to head into May with a division lead in the season or in the month. Not well, hopefully in the season, but at least in the month with a a lead in the American League West with some cushion because it'll get a lot tougher. The schedule will in the month of May. The Rangers do not have it easy, and they have a very very tough series to end the month with four games against the Yankees. This is a bad Royals team, and the Rangers took advantage of it by absolutely destroying them and not letting up in this one. This is a game that maybe could have gotten a little bit out of hand in years past, but the Rangers had Jacob DeGrom on the hill for the first four innings, and it really could have gotten out of hand when they had to turn the ball over to Dane Dunning, but it didn't, and shouts out to them for taking advantage of Jordan Lyles. I do want to give a shout out to Jordan Lyles, a guy who I feel like I unfairly maligned so much of his time here. It's just... I didn't like the type of player that Jordan Lyles was. Not that he is not a good player, but it's more about where the Rangers were at that point. He pitched eight innings at this one. Jordan Lyles is a guy who is going to bounce around to a bunch of bad baseball teams for the next five years, throwing about 200 innings and you know providing a lot of value in that. 179 innings for Baltimore last year. 
with a four and a half ERA, 180 innings on the dot the year before with Texas with a ERA of 515. He's just going to go. He's going to give up dingers, and he's going to munch those innings to keep you from having to call up some of your young pitchers too early. And he's going to go and be on bad baseball teams and be fine at it. Shouts to him for bouncing back after a really terrible pitch to Josh Young. A couple of errors, um, or at least I believe it was just scored one error and uh, just some some kind of shoddy defense um, at third base. A couple of difficult plays for the Royals' third baseman, um, Brandon Dozier. Um, but still, I think it was a little bit ungenerous the scoring of that, but it didn't matter because Jordan Lyles is a freaking pro. He has been the big leagues for a long time, and there is value in guys like that, and I think that it is a important distinction that the Rangers are not going after guys like that. For the last couple of years, of just having a guy who can, you know, he's he's going to go out there every fifth day. He's going to get shelled for probably four or five runs, but he's going to get you six, maybe seven, occasionally eight innings. Sometimes he'll go out there and throw an absolute masterpiece and give you a complete game um, every, like, 10th game or whatever but for the most part he's going to get kind of rocked and the rangers moving on from their rotation where the number five guy in their rotation now is a guy like andrew heaney who just threw five shutout innings against the freaking astros and the game before that started off the game with nine consecutive outs retired via strikeout um that that being your number five starter is a huge indication of where this team is coming up we're going to look at evan carter who has absolutely crushed it for the first couple of weeks is he ready for the big leagues or is this talk all extremely premature but first let's word from our sponsors now i am a huge evan carter believer i had this guy number one on my prospect rankings i believe at the midpoint last year i'm i was really close to having him number one before the season i think i might have shuffle him in at like number six before last season but it, it did not take much time last year seeing what he was doing at his age at such an advanced level such an advanced approach to see this kid is different this kid is has a lot of potential and i think that he could be incredibly special but for right now um he is absolutely killing it in double a fresco through nine games so far this season uh, there's no game on monday so there will no be no other extra stats that i have to read in here um he has 44 plate appearances he has three home runs eight walks to 11 strikeouts hitting 389 on base of 500 slugging 667 that is an 1167 ops in those first nine games also two stolen bases to just one caught stealing also has a double just for good measure, because why the heck not? This guy has been putting together incredibly quality plate appearances. The Rangers were super impressed by this kid in spring training. There was some hush-hush whispers of, oh, maybe this guy's going to end up you know, stealing a spot at the end of the roster, the Major League roster. Maybe he's going to break camp with the Rangers because Leody Tavares was, uh, was on the IL. Well, that didn't happen. The Rangers ended up sending him down. Wasn't even the last cut that they made, but... No, he, he did earn Bruce Bochy's respect, did earn the Rangers front office respect. They already knew what they had in this kid. They knew how good this kid was. I mean, last year in 100 games in Hickory, had an 864 OPS um, in 447 plate appearances with 10 extra base hits of each type or more. 11 home runs, 10 triples, 18 doubles for this kid with a 388 on base as a 19-year-old 
in advanced A. Then he comes up to Frisco for six games in the regular season, hits over 400 on base, over 500, slugs over 700, then helps lead Frisco as a key part of their lineup in center field. Just a huge part of them winning the Texas League was not overmatched at all against the best of the best in the Texas League as a guy who just turned 20. But that's the thing. Evan Carter was drafted as a second-round pick in 2020. The Rangers got an absolute steal. They were patting themselves on the back, high-fiving themselves. They were just really singing his praises and talking about how, wow, we did such a good job out scouting everybody. And I know Grant Schiller and I at the time were kind of looking at each other. Uh, I believe we did an episode, like, not much after that draft, thinking, you are not the guys who have out-scouted anybody. You have not been that good of a scouting department to be able to, you know, pat yourselves on the button and, and cheer like a month after the draft by the way not even that far after the draft where they're just like wow you guys really these other teams really messed up by letting evan carter slip to the second round he was a duke commitment out of elizabethan high school in tennessee tiny town the only other person of note is some some guy who played professional football i believe it was in dallas his name is jason witten i think he's a hall of famer or something but outside of that evan carter might uh, end up being the most famous guy out of that town i mean probably not in dallas um because you know everyone loves jason witten rightfully so but evan carter is pretty special in his own right but again he just turned 20 in august of last year he does not have that much time above double a he has at this point uh 15 games above double a He is not going to come up and save this team and be the everyday outfielder. There's a reason why he didn't make the major league camp out of out of spring training is because if he's not going to be playing every single day, then there is no need to call him up. He needs to be getting everyday plate appearances. He is still very young. And while the Rangers outfield has been pretty atrocious offensively and maybe maybe Evan Carter could come up and be a little bit better. We have seen what this team has done when some guys get called up a little bit too soon. It can stunt their development, or better yet, or worse yet, if they come up and have some success at a very young age, see Rude at Odor, see Nomar Mazzara, they can be compelled to think, ah, well, it's not that hard. I don't have to get that much better. I don't have to change anything about myself. I can just keep doing this because if I'm having this level of success at this age, then like, why am I not going to just continue to get better? And that really stunts them and has hurt them in the past. And I don't think they want to make that mistake with Evan Carter. Because I think Evan Carter's ceiling is a lot higher than Rugen Odor's. It might be higher than what Nomar Mazar's was. Um, because Nomar Mazar was never going to play defense. He was just going to be a guy you put in the cleanup hitter role who would hit 280 and have uh, 25, 30 home runs. And uh, would be really freaking nice to have that right about now. But that's fine. We're fine. It's fine. I'm totally over it. Uh, no, I will never be over the loss of the potential of Nomar Mazzara and whatever the heck happened there. But the Rangers have learned their lesson there. Evan Carter is not coming up. He is not coming up to save this team. Here's the best case scenario for Evan Carter this season reaching the major leagues. I do think that is a possibility, and I don't think it is a long shot possibility. But as for calling up in two weeks, I think that's just absolute cuckoo bananas unless, like, everybody and their mother in the big league club who can play the outfield gets hurt and then several people in AAA also get hurt. That is the way that Evan Carter sees the big leagues in the next two weeks. Or, I don't I don't know, I literally cannot think of another scenario. But I think the best case realistic scenario is that if Evan Carter keeps hitting, you know, nearly 400 with an on-base of 500 and slugging um, close to 700 for another three weeks in AA, 
the Rangers might just say, okay, well, you you might have learned everything you can at AA. Let's see what you can do at AAA. And if he does around that, hits, you know, 350, 400 with an on-base of like 500 and has about as many walks as strikeouts or more um, and hits with power and plays excellent defense in center field and continues to progress and have these extremely quality bats because it's not just the numbers. He, I mean, these, these walks that he's getting, he is not settling for anything other than exactly what he wants. He's had multiple different nine-pitch walks in key moments, keeps fouling off pitches until he gets exactly what he wants, until the pitcher makes a mistake, then he capitalizes on it. And if they don't make a mistake, they just continue to pitch around him. He could either squirt it into left field for a base hit or, you know, just work a walk if the opposing pitcher is too scared to pitch to him. And that's great. That's exactly what you want from a guy who is 20 years old, will not be able to buy his first legal beer until August 29th of 2023. He is still very young. He is very impressive. The Rangers have always been aggressive with this guy in 2021. He only played 30 games because of a back injury, but he put up a 438 on base in 146 plate appearances as an 18-year-old in full season ball. He was drafted the year before. The Rangers just were absolutely raving right after the draft and when he was playing in the complex, whatever Arizona um, scrimmages, inner, inner squad scrimmages that they had um, in 2020, they said he looked like the best hitter of that entire group. There was no minor league baseball. All the minor leaguers were there in 2020 in Arizona facing off against each other. And the Rangers were like, this kid, this 18-year-old kid that we had just drafted months ago um, looks like the best hitter there. And they gave him that aggressive assignment. And uh, despite him not playing that much um, in 2021 because of the injuries, they still bumped him up a level and let him play in Hickory for the full year. They didn't even bump him up to Frisco when he was crushing it for basically that entire season. Um, they, They didn't bump him up to Frisco until the Hickory season was done. So the Rangers are going to take their time with this guy, despite him absolutely crushing it, and the Rangers not getting a whole lot of production out of their outfield. I mean, Robbie Grossman uh, right now has an, uh, has an OPS below 500. Ezekiel Durand is playing some of the outfield. His OPS is at 300. Um, Travis Jankowski hitting in the two-hole um, had some, some nice aggressive play with that bunt forcing the Royals' third baseman right after making an error to make another error. Um, and using his speed to his advantage before that three-run shot by the cleanup hitter, Josh Young. First pitch he saw as a cleanup hitter, he hit 420-whatever feet that it was. Excuse me, 441 feet. Don't want to cheapen it um, because he hit the absolute tarnation out of that baseball. But despite these struggles from the Rangers outfielders, I don't think we're going to see much Brad Miller um, coming out to play the outfield because I just, he's going to be a DH or he's going to be nothing. I think at this point, um, and he is still doing okay. A 774 OPS heading into this Monday night game for Brad Miller, um, despite only having the one home run so far, but the Rangers are fine. The Rangers are winning. The Rangers are okay. Now, if they start skidding and, uh, and Evan Carter it is absolutely crushing it um, in Double A and has been promoted and does exactly that. And it's June, and this outfield is still kind of trash uh, offensively. Then that's when you start to look and think, okay. Um, but it'd be like mid June at the earliest. The Rangers are going to give him time to face some struggles, to have some adversity, to battle against that. He didn't. He hasn't had that much of that in his minor league career. He had a little bit of it in 2022, 
missed a little bit of time due to, I believe, leg injuries, but still played 100 games with high A Hickory. Um, but, I mean, this kid has not failed that much at the minor league level. He has not failed in professional baseball all that much. And you need to learn how to fail and to move on from it. And if you don't give him the opportunity to do that at the minor league level, figure out how to learn from it and grow. And, I mean, some kids just end up absolutely crushing it at every single level, and then they don't struggle until they get to the big leagues. The outfielder for Seattle, Jared Kelnick, was a guy who crushed it at every single level and didn't struggle until he got to the big leagues. And then he struggled very, very mightily. And unfortunately for the Rangers, he is figuring it out quite a bit this season. Um, I, I think that Evan Carter has a little bit better pitch recognition skills than uh, Jared Kelnick did, um, but not quite as much general hype he is not a top five prospect in baseball which i believe kelnick was at least in his final couple years if not just his final year in the minor leagues but evan carter needs to learn how to fail at the minor league level before you call him up he is not going to be the savior of this team this team is doing okay and again they're doing it without Corey seager for at least another three and a half weeks without mitch garver for at least another um i don't know how long um that not that we ever really know and they're doing it with, uh, you know, some inconsistent performances uh, and some question marks in their rotation of, of being healthy. They're still winning. They are 10 and 6 atop the AOS. There is no need to freak out and rush this 20-year-old this to the big leagues to be your savior of a team that is already doing all right. Pump your brakes. Evan Carter will get here in his own time and when he does it's going to be absolutely glorious that's going to do it for this show on tomorrow's show i'll be back talking about a nathan Iavali start hopefully he can bounce back after a really rough outing against the royals and the rangers can win yet another series on the road two road series in a row head into that series in oakland maybe even looking to have consecutive sweeps who knows that's going to do it for this edition of locked on rangers until next time don't forget to enjoy baseball